BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. Kevin, what did we just watch? We we just watched. <laughs> <laughs> it was my idea. It was my idea not just this to watch it. This is your fault. Well, after the fact, it's your fault. It's not your idea. So that's a little bit of a spoiler, at least, what we're going to think about this. But I thought it would be interesting to watch the season premiere of Law & Order SVU and then talk about it. We, we 
we watched all the episodes last season. I wasn't I wasn't too familiar with the show. This, I think this is it's now starting its twenty third year. Yeah, this is no, this is yeah, it's his thirty twenty third season. This was the season premiere. Today is September twenty third, twenty twenty one. Yes, uh, I wasn't familiar with the show. Uh, when you and I moved in, you suggested uh, we start watching the show. So we watched a handful of reruns and we watched all the new episodes last year. And I thought let's let's watch this exciting thrill-packed two-hour season premiere event and so we did (laughs) and i assume the sad trombone is a commentary on your bad sound effect skills Pretty Which much, case, it was quite appropriate it's, it started out as a jab at you and then it turned into a cell phone yeah <laughs> so yeah this this episode is called and the empire strikes back this was actually two episodes that were uh aired is a single two-hour event Generally speaking, in terms of television programs, when there is a two-parter or something like that, you don't need it. It's just padding, in my opinion. Like a special hour-long episode of Seinfeld. Yeah. So this two, and actually this two-hour season premiere event, it's actually concluding like a the story that started in last year's one-hour season finale event which was uh, a congressman is involved in uh, a sex scandal. Yeah, it's sort of inspired by the Jeffrey Epstein saga. Very loosely. Very loosely sex trafficking powerful men, right? No, they're not sex trafficking the powerful men. It's just powerful what men. What would that look like? That I don't, let's not even go there. <laughs> no, let's go no, there. No, 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 let's no, 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 no. I'm just going to cut it out anyway, Kevin, if we go there. So, <laughs> so the powerful men who are uh, sex trafficking underage female victims. Now, I mean, let's just, first of all, where to start? So for those of you who are not familiar with the uh, the titan that is SVU, it's the franchise uh, from Dick Wolf. It was a spinoff of the original Law & Order. This one focuses on sex crimes. The juggernaut lead sort of legend, Mariska Hargitay, she plays Captain Olivia Benson. She's been with the show for years, since the beginning. And now she she went from the kind of the rookie to now she's like the captain of the whole SVU. So she's in charge. But instead of kind of fading to the background like most captains did before her, she's kind of still the center of the show. She's still the main character. And I would argue, as the show has continued, her character has grown less and less interesting. She's kind of flattened as a character to kind of be, like, the perfect person. She's, like, just so empathetic. She's flawless. She's, like, the perfect... I mean, listen, I love this character, but she's ridiculous in terms of, like, her flaws, basically. She works too hard. She's too nice. So she reminds me of you. (laughs) That's very sweet. No, she's a great, I mean, I, I love her, and I, I think Mariska Hargitay does a good job, but it's just, at a certain point, the writing is sort of, like, coddling this character to a, to a large degree, and they'll, like, throw kind of horrible things at her over time, but none of it feels like, she feels like a saint. She's like a saint. She's just perfect. So if she reminds me of you, what Law and Order character reminds you of me? Finn Tutuola. <laughs> Ice tea. Yeah. How so? Well, you said you would want to be him because he's the cool guy. <laughs> You no, see, you see no, me as the cool guy, don't you're you? You're Carisi. You're more of a Carisi. You're kind of hot-headed, but you're very smart. 
And I told you that I see you as an Olivia Benson type, but full disclosure, you told me that you strongly identified with another character on this program. And you said this character was you to a T. Do you remember where that character was? Was it Cragen? It was Cragen. <laughs> well, he's a, he's a recovering alcoholic. Or he, I mean, he was. He, the character since left the show. He was the original captain. And he's kind of hot-headed. He's kind of mad. He's kind of hot-headed. He's yelling. He's always baffled about what's going on. Always yeah. seems a little confused. And you said, Kevin, that's me. That is me, in fairness. You think I'm a Benson, but I'm really a Cragen. <laughs> when you scratch the surface. Pull the wool over my eyes. Yeah, I really did. You know, so so it's a it's a fun it's it's a I mean that seems like a weird description for a fun show about sex crimes, but I mean it's it's very popular. People love it. It's a staple, and um, over the years it's changed from kind of going more of like the kind of classic Law and Order format, uh, you know, kind of granular like like here are the procedural stuff about the detectives to going more into their personal lives and getting increasingly, frankly, unrealistic about how crime works. And speaking, you, you were talking about Carisi, and then you were talking about personal lives. One of the big events in the event one-hour season finale was it ended with Carisi getting a kiss from Detective Rollins, who he's had a crush on for many seasons. And so I was like, what's going to happen next? And what happened next was they kissed again okay, in so, a different location. So for people who don't watch this, what the fuck does any of that mean? <laughs> who are these people? Well, you tell me. No, you tell me. You're the, I told you the emotional core. You told me the emotional. Everything else is detailed. The emotional equivalent. All right. So Carisi used to be on the SVU squad as a cop. He went to law school. Now he's the ADA. That's all you need to know. And he's kind of a hot-headed Italian guy. He's from uh, Staten Island. Um, and Rollins is a hot mess. She's the blonde lady who is a detective and has a bunch of kids and has a messy personal life. So they've had a simmering tension for a while because they were partners. And then, you know, they're very possessive of one another, but they're ne they never got together. Now they finally sort of consummated their relationship. With a couple of kisses. And, and maybe one, more. And one of the kisses, uh, they had to cut it short because uh, Anya showed up. Yeah, a there's a woman named Anya in this episode, and I kept on, like, my ears were, like, perking up. Like, when we, when our dog, Lanny, when we're like, you want to go outside? And she recognizes that word, and, you know, she'll, like, you know, run over to the door. That's how I felt in this, because they'd be like, Anya? Anya? I'll call Anya. I'll go tell Anya about this. And, and I'm like, what? Moment, what are you trying to tell me, guys? Detective Rollins at one point even says, give my regards to Anya. Give my regards to and Anya. And you said, thank you. Thank you so much, Rollins. So I, I felt seen in this episode. That was one good you, element. You were very confused. I didn't know. And it was kind of sad for me to see. Why was it sad for you to see, Kevin? You're talking to the television. They're they my friends. They can't hear you. The SVU squad are my friends. So you're always you're always talking about Carisi. You're always asking about what cannolis are. This guy didn't know what cannolis are until they brought it up on SVU. Carisi was like, "I'm going to bring in my cannoli, my mom's famous Mama Carisi's famous cannolis." And Kevin's like, "What's a cannoli?" And it's like, "You uncultured buffoon! Who are you?" And so, <laughs> in the time between the thrill-packed one-hour season finale event. In tonight's episode, the actress playing Olivia somehow hurt her ankle. And so that had to be worked into the script. 
And they did it in like the dumbest way possible. Po- absolutely dumbest way possible. They had her drive, be driving, and like somebody forces her off the road, and she gets in a car accident. Oh, c- could it be something related to the case? Well, it's probably just a random drunk driver. And then we never really hear from about it again. And also, couldn't they have just kind of like, I mean, it sucks that she hurt her foot, but I mean, her her like ankle was in like one of those boot things. You know, she could have come in and then her squad could have been like paranoid. Like, oh, my God, did something happen? Are you okay? And she's like, guys, I just tripped coming out of the shower. It's not a big deal. Like, you know, just play it off as kind of like a one line thing, a bit of a joke to show that everyone's tense and then move on. You don't have to make a big thing about that. It's it's not that deep. I I will say uh, that I saw uh, on Twitter that the showrunner said his original plan for this episode was to start it out with Benson dancing with uh, her former partner Stabler. And they couldn't do that because she hurt her ankle. So why don't you tell me what is this Benson and Stabler relationship everybody's talking about? Ah, uh, yes. The kids can't get enough of it. Kids can't get enough of it. So, my, I mean, okay, so I started seeing SCU episodes when I was probably like in middle school or like high school or some, somewhere around then. And like, I wouldn't watch them consistently, but I catch them here and there. And, and th- that explains a lot about you. So you're a little girl watching a show about sex crimes. I just, you know, it's maybe middle school is a little too young. Maybe it was more like high school in fairness, but it was, I mean, it was, it was the, sh- it was the hot show. Right. And here's why it was so hot. Here's why I was sizzling. Benson and Stabler, her, her old partner, Elliot Stabler, who's like, a, you know, Christopher Maloney, very unhinged, very kind of hot headed. They and this was I remember when I told you we should start watching it. I was like, uh, my recollection at that point was they had the most like sizzling chemistry where you were like, oh, my God, they want to so badly. And like, this is like, wow, whoo, I think I need a cigarette after this. That's what I was saying in high school. And, like, I remember that. I remember it being, like, wow. Like, they need to get together. Like, I'm invested in this couple because the chemistry is so good. And, yeah, so that's that's kind of what the, what the whole, I think, franchise was built on for years. Where people were so invested in that. Then uh, Christopher Maloney sort of abruptly left the show at a certain point. And then I think people were just invested in Liv's character where they kind of felt like, oh, man, that sucks. And like so they wanted to see where she was going to go from there. Uh, But, yeah, people always remembered that. And it was always like that was the one who got away for Liv. So what's going to happen? So they so, uh, uh, you know, in the last season, they actually brought Christopher Maloney back because they gave him his own Law and Order show called Law and Order Organized Crime. And so now he's back. And so the SVU episode will air and then the Organized Crime episode will air. And organized crime's just bad shit. We can do a probably another episode on that at some point. But um he's back in her life now. He his his wife got car bombed, so now I guess he's single and so everyone thinks that they're gonna finally get together. Which I think like sometimes, you know, like the metaphor is like the dog who catches the car. Maybe they don't know what to do with it. Like, what's the dog going to... The dog can't drive. The dog is not going to bite the car and pick it up and walk away. So it's like, what do we do now? So I, I, I'm I, worried that the show is sort of going to reach a singularity with this eventually. But um, I guess we'll get to that when we come to it. For now, it's just been a lot of, like, pining and stoic looks at one another and kind of, like, musing about what it, what it, what it means to be a partner. And it's like, I... And, and he's back in the Law and Order universe, but as you correctly note, he's on a different show. 
but each like Mariska Hargitay who plays Benson will often guest star on his show and then he'll often guest star on her show and sometimes it just seems to drive the narrative to a screeching halt last year's uh, organized crime had a very confusing we didn't watch the show regularly so maybe some of the confusion for us was in fairness yeah we didn't know what the hell was going we didn't mm-hmm. know any of these characters were and also we're not frankly we're not very smart <laughs> But we're, we're watching this, and it ends with some sort of Olivia Benson shows up at this hospital for some reason, and there's a person in the hospital, and maybe she's going to die, or maybe she's not. And then somebody with a gun, and there's like a shooting. And it's very, I think, dramatic. But I, I was confused. So she went to the hospital because she got a text that she thought it was from Elliot. So then there is a scene in tonight's episode just as the story's getting going, she's in this tense meeting. She gets a text and she says, I got to go. And she's, she leaves to go be in the cliffhanger of organized crime. And then she comes back and she talks about, you know, there was a shooting. <laughs> she goes to the internal affairs meeting about the shooting and say, no, it was a good, it was a good shooting. It was a good shooting. The cop had to do it. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, they're letting it all bleed into one another in a way that I think is supposed to be, like, intriguing and make you feel like it's this full, rich universe, but it's just narratively confusing. Because, yeah, it's it's out of order. It's confusing. It stopped tonight's story in its tracks. And then they had also, as part of that, they showed uh, a flashback from a scene uh, in organized crime where the shooting in the hospital... It was somehow orchestrated by the big bad guy of season one. And the, the Internal Affairs investigator is like, that's crazy. Like, what's wrong with you? She's speaking for us, the viewer. And no, and, and Benson says, no, no, it really is just because of him. Why? Well, I, I remember when I saw him. And shimmer, then, shimmer, 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 shimmer. And then... And she is standing outside a court with other police officers and they're, the court officers are leading out this big bad guy. And for some reason, they bring the big bad guy right up to Olivia and they let him stop and have a little bantering conversation with her. Talking about, oh yeah, Elliot really likes you a lot, doesn't he? Yep, he sure does. Yep, boy, and I can see why. Yep, he sure likes you. It's like, why would they let him do this? Frog march him away, you friggin' idiots. That's your fucking job. What the hell? Also, okay, um, speaking of people being led around, doesn't it just like embarrass you? Like the like when a show ob- so obviously thinks that its audience is just like brain dead. It's just like compl- just the stupidest people imaginable. Like, okay, like do- do we need to see Olivia getting the call about the hospital thing? Or can we just fill in the blank there? Okay, she went to the hospital. And then start off however however long later. We don't need all this time travel bullshit to understand what's happening. You know? like Maybe a little bit of a flashback here and there for, for seasoning or just to make sure it's flowing along okay. But, like, it's just, like, the level of, like, over-explaining this was just, like, gee, I, this is insulting. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. 
Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And then also, uh, so this it's continuing this not very interesting story from last season. And also, you know, the reason basically everybody tunes in to Law & Order SVU, it's not for the sex crimes. You get that anywhere. It's not for the Elliot Stabler, uh, Olivia Benson dynamic. It's not for the Carisi Rollins dynamic. It's for the office politics. <laughs> of course. Tell, t- talk about that. So there's this whole ongoing threat. And he, okay, let me just, before we even start with this, I think I think Law & Order, what it does best is act as a procedural. We get to see slices of different crimes and how the detectives investigate them and how they make their cases. That's interesting. Okay. And uh, this episode really deviates from that whole vibe uh, in a big way. So we have, uh, it, it, it's not just the Olivia versus uh Elliot Stabler's enemies thread in this. And it's not just the uh, sex trafficking uh, U.S. congressman thread. There's a third thread, and that is the fact that basically um, one of the junior detectives, Kat, is feeling disillusioned with her work because she feels like she, or she's just there to make cases and the victims come second. Okay, fair. But also there's a, there's a kind of a another half thread to that, and it's, uh, Chief Garland, who is the uh, the the leader, I guess of of uh, she, he's basically Olivia's boss. He's Benson's boss, and he's being forced out because, um, you know he he is an African American man, and he criticized some of the NYPD's tactics basically, and and said you know basically like Black Lives Matter. So you know pr- pretty reasonable. So get him out of here. So. You know, the racist uh, bad guys up top are forcing him out. And listen, that's I'm not going to say that's unrealistic. I'm not going to say that that can't happen. I'm more of just saying, like, it's not really given a lot of room to breathe. So it doesn't really become very interesting. And also, Garland seemed to become a character very quickly. Like, suddenly we were focusing a lot on this guy, where previously he'd just been kind of there to talk to Olivia and be like, you know, you'd better watch it or you better get this case. So suddenly it's like, care about this guy deeply and understand that he's in a hard position. And it was like, okay, fine, sure, we'll try to buy on that. And then, but like, you know, then it, like, it, it's too much too soon with like a new character. Like you got to kind of like ease us into the issues that they're dealing with. Kind of just dropped us in the deep end. And so by the end of the episode, he's forced out. Yeah. <laughs> and he is. He doesn't get time. I mean, he's like, hello, like, hello, Chief Garland, goodbye. Like, like, like shove him out the door immediately. It's bizarre. Well, he, he was a regular last season. Yeah, but I mean, like. Th- in the scope of SVU, that doesn't feel very long. So he's replaced. He's replaced by an, another chief that's going to be Olivia's boss, and he reveals himself to be cartoonishly loudish and wrong. 
Like, uh, he comes in and sees Olivia at the end. He says, oh, by the way, now that I'm in charge, we're not going to be worrying about any of these date rapes. So. <laughs> and, like, okay, like, I'm not going to say that, you know, the more progressive guy who's black couldn't be scapegoated and forced out, and then they have the shitty chauvinistic white guy come in. Like, that's, I'm not going to be like, that could never happen. I'm just going to be like, like, it's, it's like treated almost like a total afterthought in a way, and it, it, it's done in such a kind of like over the top way in terms of all of the, the it, it, it like it's it's like it, I don't even know what's the I, I point think, of this. Think, what's the I point think, of this? I think in real life things like that happen, but it's more subtle. The new guy isn't going to come in and the very first thing say, by the way, uh, compassionate sex crime uh, victim advocate who is known for being that way and re renowned for this yeah now on you can't uh, deal with these this particular set of crimes he would might maybe have different priorities but he would be more subtle about it yeah it's like lestrade coming in be like sherlock holmes you can't look at the the hem of somebody's cape and and determine you know what street they've been on. like it's like he's known for doing this. This is the thing he does. Like, so maybe you'd come in and be like, I don't think you should be meddling in police business, but you wouldn't like lead with that because it would show your hand. And the, oh God, it's just so dumb. It's dumb. And like this new bad guy boss who we're introduced to, like he seems to really want to nail the congressman guy on the, on, on rape charges and sex trafficking charges. But but, like, he's not consistently characterized. On the one hand, he's almost working against them because he's forcing them to push the case too quickly. But on the other hand, he's, like, he's on board with punishing the right people in this case. But then he doesn't want to punish certain rapes. And it's just, like, wh who is this guy? Where is he coming from? What the fuck is his deal? It's not. It doesn't feel consistent at this point because we don't know the character. I think if you want to have a character express a view that's opposed to our main character... I think it's great if you would be able to write that character's view in such a way that people who in real life hold that view would say this is fair. But but that the problem makes it, is, that makes it more interesting. But the problem is this show thinks its viewers are stupid, so it doesn't want to write anything too good because maybe then they'll start thinking date rapes are no big deal. But that's what I feel is going on here. <laughs> like the show does not seem to think a lot of its audience capacity to to kind of grasp issues. You know, like, and I, I actually appreciated that the the show in the previous season, at least, was trying to grapple with certain issues. They were trying to uh, grapple with uh, the murder of George Floyd and sort of like how we think about policing now, and like you know, and it sort of grapple. I mean, the show itself being propaganda, right? So like, how does it grapple with that? Uh, they they were trying to talk about um, victims in in a more respectful better way right so like i i i did not think they were succeeding on a lot of those fronts to be very clear i don't think they were succeeding at all but i feel like there's effort there and there's something i kind of respected about that but spoiler alert uh cat leaves in this episode she gets shot and then sort of is like i don't want to do it anymore and quits i don't think it's going to be uh I don't think I'm going to be able to, she was kind of the progressive young voice who was always like kind of saying like, oh, we need to do better as a, as a department by the victims. So she's leaving Garland's kicked out for basically supporting BLM. And so it feels like the show is saying something to us here where it's like all that woke stuff in the previous season. Nah, bye. And listen, like I'm not saying I need SVU to be woke or something like, I mean, this is, this is nonsense. This is a silly show. 
it's a it's a good binge watch and and kind of like that's pretty much it but it sort of feels like something like there's a little a little bit of sadness there it's like it tried this stuff and now it's kind of just throwing it out in the trash i don't know what do you think am i overreacting no i I don't think so it's not a very subtle show it doesn't do politics well no it does not do politics well at all really really flattens things out to a crazy degree should we talk a little bit about the actual plot? Yeah. We're, we've been going on, uh, we've, we've been sampling from some of these side dishes, but now it's time to carve into the main feast. Uh, do you want to start by telling us about Q? Why didn't you talk about Q? I think you have a lot of opinions on that guy. They actually had, a, it was bizarre that they had a Star Trek crossover, though, I, I will say. I just thought that was very odd having Q in here to do mischief while they were doing this. I mean, it's like, it, it's a silly show, but it is a sex crime show. You don't need that kind of like wackiness. See, that's interesting. I would have thought you would have made like a Q Anon joke <laughs> or perhaps a James Bond Q joke. And you went with the Star Trek joke. Yeah. Why, why was that? Let's, I don't let's know. explore your thinking that's there. That's what I did. I don't know. Because <laughs> while we were watching it in real time, I think we made the Q Anon jokes. Do you want me to make a QAnon joke? Why don't you do all the Q jokes? So you did the Star Trek, do a QAnon joke. It was weird that they had a guy come in to suddenly try hawking a bunch of like super slick weapons and like spy gadgets to them in the middle of things. I mean, like I I know that the NYPD is well equipped, but that just seemed a little bit far fetched. And then I guess QAnon. Uh... <laughs> what what do you even do with that? I don't even. Know. <laughs> It was weird when Liv said, "Where we go one, we go all." But I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to make of that. Liv quickly logs off her eight uh, chan account before anything can, anyone can see it. So this new chief says, "We gotta get this congressman. We gotta get this congressman. It's the most important thing to do." What is the congressman doing from the previous season? What exactly was he doing? He was having sex with, uh, so there's like homeless women who are only allowed to live in government subsidized housing if they have sex with the congressman. And he thinks, well, you know, that's fine, but maybe we also should start looking for maybe slightly older uh, homeless women who have teenage kids I can have sex with. So he's like trying to expand his horizons. And he also believes he's going to be president. Keep saying that throughout the episode in a really bratty voice. Does anyone talk like that? No. No. Uh, they mentioned that the guy is from Westchester, uh, a county uh, to, to the north of New York City, which is uh, where a lot of people who are, you know, fancy, snobby, rich people live stereotypically. Obviously, Westchester is more diverse than that. It's more. So, all how, the how, place. Would, how would you know that? I'm from Westchester. They said, yeah, I was like, oh. I mean, so I thought I saw what they were going for because it's like it's a, this this kind of elitism and and stuff. I grew up around some of those people. When they mentioned it, you were like so startled, you dropped your monocle. <laughs> I dropped all my big bags of gold, <laughs> spilled all over the floor, and my top hat blew off. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean your big feather boa. So I was like, okay, yeah, they, I mean, they're getting something. I, I went to school with a lot of, uh, I think one teacher called them uh, future kleptocrats. And 
these people are awful. And a lot of them are like little entitled white boys who are going to go work for their daddy's financial firm after they graduate college, no matter how poorly they do and no matter how much of a failure they are. So they, like, they can't fail, right? And so there's something very noxious about that. And like you could see that kind of personality doing a lot of damage potentially if they were also you know, a sexual predator where they're connected and they're, and they're uh, rich and, uh, you know, they don't think they can do any wrong. So, you know, fair. And like, I, 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 I'm again, I'm because I saw stuff like that. I would be like, yeah, hell yeah. But they make him, it's just so over the top. He doesn't feel like a real, he doesn't feel like a real, um, what's the word? Uh, foe, like a, like a, a match to the SVU team because he's so obviously stupid. He's so obviously out of his league. He keeps saying things like, all I have to do is pick up the phone and you're fired. And it's just like, you know, he's overplaying his hand because he's written so over the top. And and it's just, it's like kind of takes some of the kind of like menace out of the character when he's basically going around acting sort of like throwing like Draco Malfoy-esque fits everywhere you know, you, you don't feel like this guy is a is a cool cucumber who's going to be able to get out of this. You're like, this guy is just doing all this on camera, on microphone, and being a disaster. Yeah, it was difficult to under, for me to understand how this unlikable, arrogant, uncharismatic person could be in a position where he'd be a successful politician who could become president. People people succeed with while being complete assholes. I I don't buy I, I buy that. The the thing I had a problem with he's is this guy is so poorly managed. Like there's no there was no fixer coming in and keeping this guy's mouth shut in this episode. That that would have been the realistic thing. Well, actually actually there was a fixer. But like he wasn't working. <laughs> the guy kept talking. But we digress. So this congressman who's going to be the next president is throwing a big party. Uh, and so the SVU guys say, let's let's have some, some underage girls there. And also, uh, we're monitoring it. And then the chief goes to Olivia and says, in addition to all of this, we're going to have a super secret undercover agent from the police be there. But you can't tell anybody about this because it's really super, super secret. And, and it turns out that this super secret undercover guy is a man named Q, who we're told is very big on Insta. I forget. I think they the said, old Graham. I think they said he had like a ridiculously high number of Instagram followers, and that he was followed by Olivia Rodrigo, Billie Eilish, uh, like bunch of pop stars who are hot right now. And it was like, and it's all a cover. So how did this undercover? How do they build up this identity? To such an extent that uh, Olivia Rodrigo naively follows him. Olivia Rodrigo, don't be sour. The NYPD needs you <laughs> to bust this sex trafficker. I mean, like, what the fuck? I don't. I don't know. And, and also that uh, that a some sort of like Gen Z. I guess he's not Gen Z technically, but like whatever. Like he's hot with Gen Z influencer would be able to just saunter up to this guy who's convinced he's going to be the president and be like, yeah, I'll get you the teenage vote and not be like laughed out of the room. That just didn't feel like this is a real connection for this guy where he'd be like, yes, let's go do crimes together. So he says, yeah, I'll get you the teen vote. And the congressman said, great. Now let's go to a party and have sex with teens. 
which since this party is being monitored by video cameras, we don't even need the undercover man. No, it doesn't make any sense. So they, it, wouldn't that just wouldn't just wouldn't that just lead to more room for a uh, entrapment charge? Plus, think of all of the time and energy that they have invested in building up this fake identity. And they're going to throw it all away on this case where it's not even needed. Also, like, okay, I was very uncomfortable with this part of the episode because there are real teenage girls who don't know what's going on in the party. And at some point, the influencer and the congressman take them into bedrooms. And obviously, the influencer isn't going to do anything to the girl he takes, but the congressman starts, like, groping the other girl. And it's like, they're using these real, like, children is like bait in this episode and no one's even like normally when they're doing something questionably ethical somebody usually cat will be like i can't believe we're doing this and they'll be like ah we gotta do it but in this like nobody even like really raised the issue you know what i mean it's like they're knowingly putting children in a dangerous situation and then they're also acting like when finally it's time like somebody's about to get sexually assaulted they're kind of like oh oh better go like they're like acting like me after I like woke up too late and realized I have to like log on for work like I, like like you know like oh geez I can't believe we have to go now I mean like well, I mean it didn't feel like a any it didn't feel like a safe situation I don't know maybe I'm overthinking it but yeah that's that that's that oddly with me like their whole thing is like we protect victims we protect victims and then they're like getting in just in the nick of time to stop a rape seemed like they were very much gambling with these girls. And then right after this, suddenly Q is like walking around the police station wearing like some sort of special vest that identifies him as a member of the NYPD Blue. And he's going out on missions with the gang. So the undercover thing completely blown at this point. Can you imagine if poor Olivia Rodrigo is like driving by and she looks out her window. She has a driver's license now. So she's driving by and she looks out the window and she sees her beloved hero Q prancing around in an NYPD uh, vest. She's going to be heartbroken. Or maybe she'd just say deja vu. Or maybe she'd look at him and be like, you know what? Good for you. <laughs> She'd be like, it's brutal out here for inst Instagrammers. <laughs> I enjoyed the album Sour, as did you. <laughs> The driver's license, but it was good. <laughs> There's something in this, and you know, you and I, our other podcast is a true crime podcast that's reported out, you know. Um, we It's called The Murder Sheet, yeah. and it's available on uh, all podcast platforms. Give it a, check it out. We're much less zany on that one, <laughs> which maybe is good. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you don't like it. But basically, you and I follow crime, a lot. So we've gotten to the point where if something is happening where it's kind of based on something that really happened or it's, it's sort of maybe something the way crime typically works, we can identify that. But I think it also means that our bullshit meter is is much higher. Like we, we're, we're very much like sensitive to when things are happening in crime. It shows about crime that are just do not happen in real life in this country in this century. And uh, something like that happens in this episode, and I thought it was just ridiculous. So, what uh, what what went down? What what's Friday Night Massacre happened here? <laughs> 
Oh, oh. There were so many things. I was thinking about something else. Oh, my God. Wait. So you do what you were thinking of, and then I'll do what I was thinking of. So there is, is a scene where sometime after the party and everything, the congressperson has been charged, and he and his attorney are meeting with Captain Benson and ADA Carisi. And they have a conversation, and uh, the congressman is being a little bit indiscreet. And so uh, the lawyer says, I'm, I want to speak to my client alone. And so they step outside into uh, a part of the building, which is ostensibly private, and they have uh, an angry conversation, which concludes with the lawyer slapping his client on the face, which, number one, I've never done. I'm not sure I know any attorney who has done that. But then we pull back. Have you ever wanted to? And then we pull back. (laughs) And then we pull back and find out that Carisi and Benson have been eavesdropping on this private conversation between a lawyer and his client. So they are violating attorney-client privilege. So just a clusterfuck all around. So I found that to be appalling. And I think you're just going to talk about a little bit of bloodshed. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, you're. You're. This is so class. I'm. I'm with like all the big bloody, uh, ridiculousness of the episode, and you're gonna be like, they violated some uh, pretty important uh, rules. Our legal system is based on. Oh God. Uh, Attorney-client privilege is one of the cornerstones. As if you've never slapped a client, too. I mean, come on. Never slapped a client. They didn't teach you that in law school. Yeah, if they're going on and on, just give them a good one, two. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You had a you 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 come into class and your your lawyer professor boxing gloves on. All right, Kevin, give me a quick jab. Here's how you do it. So my law school teacher is the great Santini. I guess so. <laughs> I love it when I make a reference you don't understand. And you try to cover. Yeah, that's definitely great. Uh, the great Martini. Santini. <laughs> Ooh, pulls collar. Now, okay, let's talk about the real ridiculous thing that happened in this episode. What I said was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So they have all these witnesses. One witness is a, a woman who worked at a nonprofit who is secretly procuring women to have sex, or rather, be raped by this congressman. It doesn't even matter who the witnesses are. They're yeah. crucial witnesses. They're crucial witnesses. That's all you need. That's to know. very true. You don't need to know who these fuckers are. It doesn't matter. They're all murdered. Like the night before the grand jury. The night before the grand jury, somebody goes around, murders everybody except for like two people, one of whom is one of the girls who almost got raped. She flees and is like hiding somewhere, but she's fine. They bring her back. So number one, this would never happen. And number two, it's treated as just a minor blip, like a little inconvenience that really won't affect the congressperson's career at all. No, it's just like every every person, it's it's not like... What people might say, well, people get killed before trials. Yeah, okay, sure, that's happened for sure, but not to the not like five people at once, and it being kind of treated as just like, ah, well, you you win some, you lose some. I mean, it was this just this level of violence around one trial, to my knowledge, is pretty unheard of, and. To imply that it would just be sort of treated with like a big like, ah, shucks, I guess we lost this one, is just 
that's just ludicrous. This would be the biggest deal. You'd be hearing about this forever if this happened today. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Wasn't there a time when right before one of your big stories came out, all your sources were murdered? <laughs> uh, that happens like every other story for me. But, you know, that, that's that, just a coincidence. Journalism's a little bit different than the it's a, rough, it's a rough and tumble game. Yeah, you know, you're just I'm just trying to do these business news articles and you know, people are dropping like flies, but I just got to push on. <laughs> Has nothing to do with you. No, no. What? No, who's saying that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, and that's, I mean, I just, I get irritated when people, uh, when shows sort of overstate the danger around certain things. They understate the danger around other things. But then, like, with stuff like this, you know, you'd think that people getting killed right before a trial would just be sort of treated with, like, a shrug or, you know, I mean, same similar thing. Journalists are always getting killed in these things, and it's like that that doesn't happen very often, at all. So, like when people are like overstating the danger, that just kind of it's like you're trying to you're getting people freaked out for nothing. And I guess that's sort of the point of a show like SVU, where you're kind of like ah, sex crimes, you know. But uh, yeah, you wouldn't watch the show if the show was well, you know, there's not really a lot of sex crimes, and when they are, they're prosecuted rapidly. And the perpetrators are put behind bars. Good well, night, that's, everybody. Well, that's certainly not true in real life. <laughs> but I'm, I'm saying if that was the show, you want a little bit of juice. You want yeah, a little you bit do. Of and like, you know, and I, I do appreciate how the show, I mean, sex crimes are obviously a very serious topic, you know, as much as we're joking here. But like, it's a serious topic. And I do feel like in recent years, the show has tried to grapple with the fact that this is serious. You know, it's not all about just getting a crazy crime of the week and kind of entertaining people. Like maybe there is a level like you should believe victims and you should you know talk to victims in a respectful way and you shouldn't grill them like it's their fault and you should maybe try to make the process of investigating easier on the victims and they have grappled with that to a certain extent but then they'll go back and they'll kind of like forget those lessons sometimes and then do things like you know that are just kind of ridiculous and you know it's like it, it tries to have it tries to be sensitive but then it also kind of like throws that out the window half the time for entertainment's sake so it's like you almost got it. <laughs> and another ridiculous thing that happens in this episode is the middle-aged congressperson at one time tries to flirt with the teenage girls by making like JFK references. And that seems pretty unreal. Fiddle and faddle. Uh, that's that's not going to work. That's like me making great Santini references to you. You're not getting all hot and bothered by that. Oh, Kevin, you're I'm, I'm getting me. bothered by it, but yeah. Kevin, you're reminding me you're so much older than me. <laughs> that thrills me. Wow, you're a big ancient wreck. <laughs> it doesn't work. Kevin's tried. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. 
Figure Lending LLC DBA Figure. Equal Opportunity Lender. NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Uh, oh, I just really, you know, we're, we're stupid. You know what this case, I'm, now I feel like a fucking idiot. You know who this case is based on? You claimed it was, uh, it was Epstein. You know who it is? Who? Matt Gates. The Florida guy? Yeah. The hair, the attitude. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it's not a perfect comparison, obviously. It's just. And obviously, you're not making the libelous claim that Matt Gates goes around uh, killing people who might testify against I'm him. I'm certainly not. But I think that was what they were, they were going for in this episode, now that I think about it. Just modeling that character off of him. Obviously, the situation differs. <laughs> God. In in terms of, uh, yeah, I just, this this show, it's always, it's always doing wacky shit. But this episode felt particularly weak. I think the good SVU episodes kind of focus on something and they tell a coherent story. This felt like it was just like, oh, I guess we got to do this thing from the previous season. Oh, okay, we got we got to set this up. We got to set up this person leaving. We got to set up this person leaving. Uh, yeah, there's also a, a mystery going on. Oh, uh, here's what happened. And it, it's like it's it's try it has too many plates in the air and a bunch of them end up shattering. I think. I mean, I hope that the the undercover officer ends up being a bad guy or something because like. Otherwise, I don't really get what his inclusion was. They had this whole weird business where he f- left his phone in the victim's house and they had to go back and get it. And I was like, what is going on here? I kind of felt like it was based on you. <sighs> well played, Kevin. Well played. I leave my phone everywhere. I don't know. I don't know where the hell any of my shit is at any time. Oh, and basically the ending is that the uh, congressman fires the lawyer. The lawyer uh, reveals that he was the power behind the throne, as Kevin said, and he uh, knows where all the bodies are. But then, of course, they, quote unquote, quash it. We were never told. Well, here's what this show is too cowardly. Like, like the show is like will kind of con- convey that like prosecutors over Carisi's head will like bury a case. But we're never, like, told why or exactly who they are or what the hell's going on. Like, this has happened a number of times. It's like when they want to write something off and, like, they almost want to, like, they don't want to deal. The show doesn't want to deal with it. So they're like, ah, the eighth floor pulled the plug. Wouldn't it be nice if we got to know, like, who the fuck the eighth floor was eventually if they keep on ruining all these cases? And do they do it on purpose or is it just wacky mishaps? Exactly. They might just be a lovable group of rogues. (laughs) Like they're and frankly, if you invest three hours, because this was this was the uh, action-packed one-hour season finale event, and then the two-hour season premiere event, all telling one story about this congressperson. If you invest three hours in this, just having an end saying, "Well, the eighth floor just took the case away," that's not really satisfying. Maybe that would work for like a one-hour story. Yeah. And, like, to me, it's sort of, again, it's like, you know, sex crimes is a serious issue. And, like, it feels like in real life, yes, political power brokers protect each other. And something like Epstein is a good example of that, where he got off with a sweetheart deal uh, with the prosecutor back in the early 2000s. 
and it prevented justice from being done for years. And then, of course, he was, you know, died in prison and like he was allowed to basically kill himself and, and again, escape justice for his victims. And like, that's all really shitty. And I'm not saying a show like this can't comment on that, but just writing anytime they get kind of a naughty issue, like where it's like, oh, the, uh, you know, like uh, a congressman might go to jail or, or like they might they might uh, somebody might spill the secrets on all these powerful people instead of like going for that. It's just always written off in a way that's just designed to be very uninteresting. Like it's like the little candle cap that you put on the flame to like snuff it out, basically. And it's like I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to say like, you know. There's, there's a different system for very powerful people and they get away with a lot. And like, yeah, that's fair. But like, maybe examine that. They don't have to save the day and solve the crimes, but you can at least tell an interesting story there. And it's basically like the equivalent of like, and, and no, none of them are ever, like they're always pissed off when this happens, but none of them are ever like, I'm going to investigate the people who made this decision and figure out what's going on there. It's never like that. It's just kind of like, yeah, I guess we lost. Darn the luck. Let's talk about another thing that was ridiculous in this episode. So the season finale ended at one event, and then this episode kind of picked up at that same event. And that was the event that Finn, uh, who Anya says I remind her of. He, I see. He's great. He was going to get married to his partner, uh, a lovely woman. They were a great couple. And then they, they show up, Finn and his partner show up at the wedding and say, guess what, everybody? We fucking hate each other. No, the, the, we're not going to. We're staying together. We're very happy, but we're not getting married. And everybody seemed to take that as fine. And then this episode this starts with them saying, oh, Finn, are you, you and your uh, woman friend going to go on a not getting married trip now? So I have to think that if, if any couple you knew, we're going to be going several states away to, to go to a wedding. In a few months, if we go to this wedding and the people, <laughs> <laughs> the people walk up to, to the altar and then turn around and face us and say, guess what, everybody? <laughs> we're not getting married after all, but we're going to stay together. So thanks for coming. Would you think that was OK? And would you think that was a healthy relationship? No, and no. Just call off the wedding. Yeah. Just Either. It's not healthy. Yeah, that's just fucked up. So why do you think they didn't let those two kids get married? I, I actually don't know. I didn't understand that at all. But I thought that was a bizarre choice. Give Finn happiness. You know, I love that character. He's like a cool guy. He's been there forever. Just give him a nice life and a nice wife. That's all I say. It didn't make sense narratively. The whole thing is just, you know, this is why. I mean, this is, I, I, I saw. I, I don't. I'm, I'm ripping this off. I saw someone tweet this once, and it stuck with me. And it was like the reason why people really got into early Law and Order was because like it wasn't about people's personal lives. It was about people's professional lives, and you got to see them do their professional lives. Like you got to see. Here's how the police do things. And then here's how the prosecution takes over the case. And that was interesting, you know, because those are interesting jobs and they run into interesting situations through those jobs. And this 
this episode in particular just felt like the coworker where you're like, okay, let's do our interesting job together. And they're like, okay, but let me show you all the pictures on my phone of my vacation and my cats. Here's the time I almost got married, but oh, geez, I, we didn't get married. We actually uh, just ended up uh, having a party and uh, going on a not getting married honeymoon. And like, you know, you're kind of just like, instead of just getting to look at this interesting job and like work on interesting tasks together, you're just stuck hearing this windbag go on and on about all this boring shit that you don't care about. And that just sort of feels like what this episode was. So, five star final take. Yeah. I think the Empire, I think, and the Empire Strikes Back should be struck down. And I'm going to turn my back on, never turn your back on them. <laughs> Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up Hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T-O. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for, for listening. listening.